You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. War Eagle Auburn fans, and welcome back to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. Welcome back. I'm excited to start a brand new season for Auburn men's basketball in the 2020 2021 season. However, it's going to be an odd year. It's going to be a unique year for many reasons. We all know it. We've talked about it ad nauseum here on this network that 2020 has simply just thrown everybody for a loop, especially the world of college athletics and especially our Auburn Tigers. And it would surprise no one that it would affect Auburn men's basketball as well. So we'll mention a few of those things as we go along tonight. But tonight, this is our season preview. We're going to actually talk about what to expect for the 2020-21 season. We'll go through some coaching staff, some roster discussions and obviously some speculation about the roster situation as well. And then we'll even hit on some schedule notes, kind of walk through the schedule, might even throw a prediction out at you by the end of this whole thing. I do love predictions, and my former co-host, two co-hosts ago, Clint Richardson, uh, used to hate it when I would do that to him. Uh, But now I don't have to listen to him gripe anymore because he's not here. Love you, Clint. Anyway, speaking of co-hosts, this is not new information, but I always like to cover housekeeping type stuff at the very beginning of an episode Uh, and as you probably have heard if you are a longtime listener to Inside Jungle um, I am without a co-host right now so you are stuck with me by myself talking about Auburn men's basketball for the near future now in relation to that as I said in previous episodes we're looking for anybody who might be interested in joining me on a co-host format here on Inside the Jungle to discuss Auburn men's basketball, especially this season. And also, we could even be looking, if you're interested, but say, May, Kyle, I don't necessarily like you. I think you're dumb. (laughs) Hopefully no one thinks that, but probably someone does. But if you thought you could do it with you and a buddy uh, a little bit better, then that opportunity may be available as well. But right now, we are looking to fill uh, someone to sit alongside with here virtually, obviously, Uh, to discuss Auburn men's basketball games and news for the 2020-21 season. So if you're interested, there are several ways you can do that. You can hit us up on social media, uh, email at etcnetwork at gmail.com. It's pretty easy to get in touch with us, and all those links are at our website as well. So that should cover most of the housekeeping in terms of that. But let me kind of give you a little perspective. Some of you may be new to what to expect for Inside the Jungle in a season format obviously out of season we try to update you as much as possible on things that are happening whether that be schedule announcements uh recruiting items or anything like that but it's a little different in the season and i mean what we're going to try to do for most games is have an episode after every single game now as i've already alluded to it's a weird year so it's probably gonna get even a little bit weirder with our podcast episode schedules but typically what we try to do is after every single game uh, a day or two after that, we'll come out with our 
um, review of that game, the storylines, what happened, and usually there's some exciting things to talk about that. There are going to be several occasions on every season, but probably some this season as well. Uh, We don't know how COVID-19 might affect basketball schedules yet, but you can imagine if it's the football season and soccer seasons and anything else uh, so far this fall that's had to be adjusted and rearranged and sometimes postponed could get a little crazy. Um, So there will be some times that we combine game reviews, uh, and that mainly is because in a typical basketball schedule, especially non-conference, like if you go through and look at uh, the SEC schedule versus the non-conference schedule, there's always a little bit of a uniformity to the SEC schedule. You either play on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then you play Saturday, and so it's just two games a week. Well, non-conference, I've seen it before. There were four games in a week, technically. I think it was like by a day it wasn't a week, but it's not uncommon for there to be three games in a week, and sometimes they butt up to each other really, really close, especially if it's part of an invitational, a tournament, a special tip-off event, and Auburn's got one of those this season, especially right at the start, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but those we will have to do as kind of a joint episode because there's just no feasible way to get you out that content in a reasonable format and then the game starting pretty much the next day, morning or afternoon. So that's just not going to work that way. So single game reviews and uh, usually in those episodes we'll cover maybe a quick review of the next game coming up as well. But there will be some combined uh, previews as well. Every once in a while we'll throw in a special episode um, if we feel like it's appropriate. It may be a beginning of conference play kind of analysis or something like that. Uh, but we'll kind of take that as it comes in stride. And uh, But that's this is pretty much the, uh, the episode structure that you can expect for the next few months, barring any COVID-19 craziness, barring any other craziness on our end. Uh, this is pretty much what you're going to get. Let's get our discussion on this episode started tonight with talking a little bit about the coaching staff. Obviously, we don't spend a ton of time on this because most of these guys we know by now. But I think for posterity, at least, it's good to kind of set the table, especially with the guys that are leading the way. You know, obviously, you can put players out there, but they've got to have uh, the generals to get them trained, to get them ready to go out there for the battle. If I may continue to use that type of analogy there. Uh, Head coach Bruce Pearl. Actually, let me go ahead and take a a quick reminder here. Clint and I started Inside the Jungle, which began our uh, format that we have now on the ETC Network. We used to be one big show that tried to do everything because we wanted to make sure that we gave um, exposure to other Auburn programs besides the big three, Auburn football, basketball, baseball. And so this is the show that kind of began that, and it started with the beginning of the Bruce Pearl era. I even think that we began... I don't know, maybe like three games into the season because we weren't just ready to get going off the ground from the very beginning of the season. But I'm thankful we did because I love talking basketball, but especially Auburn's men's basketball. So this is our seventh season of this particular podcast, Inside the Jungle, but also the seventh season of head coach Bruce Pearl. We have literally seen Coach Pearl take us from the bottom that Tony Barbie put us in to the very top, not just of a conference, not just of like conversation, but literally a double dribble. Yes, I said it. A double dribble by Virginia away from being in the national title game and potentially playing for our first national ti- uh, national championship in men's basketball. Even without that, we got to our first Final Four with Bruce Pearl, and what a magical season that was. And we are forever indebted to him. So I'm excited for what he potentially would do with what I think Personally, some people are kind of seen as a, uh, they don't want to call it a rebuilding year. I call it a revamp. Re- revamp almost sounds a little, uh, 
less like a start over to me. It's you're just kind of replenishing the troops here and getting them ready after you've kind of gotten a crop of the old guard out of there. And I don't mean that like we wanted them out of there. Trust me, I was the biggest Anthony Macklemore fan in the world. I'd love to have him back. But we can't have those seniors and juniors that have now left us and even freshmen and Isaac Okoro, uh, who uh, has moved on to Greener Pasture. Speaking of which, I don't think we've done an episode since then. Congratulations to Isaac Okoro getting picked number five overall. Isn't that crazy? Number five overall. Never thought I'd see an Auburn player in my lifetime, at least, be picked that high in the NBA draft. Assistant coaches, you've got three of them. Ira Bowman has moved into his third season. Wes Flanagan has also moved into his third season as Auburn men's assistant coach. Now, these guys came in about the time that the Chuck Person scandal took hold, and there was some rearranging of positions and roles on the team. I believe Chad Pruitt, which we'll talk about in just a second, uh, was a coach at one point and moved into this different role, if I have that timeline correct and personnel correct there. But also Stephen Pearl, who technically is in his seventh year as a part of this staff. Now, it's only his fourth season, going into his fourth season, as an assistant coach. Again, about the time all that went down, and I think, obviously, Steven got his promotion before all of that started to take place, but you kind of see that you've got a group that's been together for a long time now in their third season and pretty solidified and working together, and it makes you wonder, when is one of these guys going to go off and do something different? Wes Flanagan, his son, uh, Alan Flanagan, is part of the team here, so I don't foresee him going anywhere anytime soon. And I, I don't really see Ira, uh, you know, going anywhere right now. But Steven, maybe he starts thinking, I want to get out from under dad's wing and wants to step away in the near future. Who knows? But that is your assistant coaches. We won't go through the rest of the support staff, but I just think it's worth mentioning a few names that we're pretty familiar with. Obviously, Chad Pruitt, uh, who they even still just call him Coach Chad Pruitt, Director of Basketball Operations. We all know him from his daughter, Maddie Pruitt on The Bachelor, and believe it or not, here on this network, if it's Auburn, we cover it. We did a mini-series covering The Bachelor while she was in it. If you haven't, you should go back and check that out. Uh, Dallas Hamm and Riley Jacks uh, did that. Well, I should say uh, Riley Hamm, because they're now married, uh, did that together during their engagement. And uh, there were a few guest spots from certain individuals on that as well. So Chad Pruitt, Director of Basketball Operations. Right behind there are some other interesting names because they're familiar to us. Marquise Daniels, director of player development, is a former Auburn star. Uh, led us during the early 2000s and right leading up to the early 2000s. Uh, one of the bigger names in basketball history for Auburn. And I would argue, had he been on a better program or there during a, not the the worst part of the Tony Bobby era and the very beginning of the Bruce Pearl era, KT Harrell might have gone down as top five because that's how talented that guy was remember that shot in the sec championship game against lsu i believe it was it was legendary uh, and i think that was a sign of things to come but he's now a graduate assistant here so just some names to keep in mind you'll probably be hearing about them a lot over the the season on tv with uh marquise and ktv and former players and obviously the chad pruitt we'll probably see maddie pruitt a lot here too as well Next, let's take a walk through the actual roster this year. And I tried to lay this out in a manner that made the most sense to me. So if it doesn't make sense to you, I'm sorry. But this is the way I kind of like to look at things. I just broke it down, not by numbers, how they listed it on the actual uh, website for Auburn's basketball roster on the main AuburnTigers.com website. But I took it by guards, forwards, and centers. And then I even put them by their seniority so obviously seniors but there's no seniors juniors there's one junior two juniors i'm seeing right now uh sophomores 
and then freshmen. And I shouldn't say there's, that's the only ones because I, I technically didn't use a lot of information for uh, the non-scholarship players at this point, or, or as I see them, the non-scholarship players. So let me just talk about it this way. We'll talk. We'll start with the guards, and it's our most plentiful area. And I think that's typical for most teams, um, but especially a Bruce Pearl team that likes to run a lot. It's one of the hallmarks of a Bruce Pearl team is that you run a lot. That's why I love watching his style of basketball so much. So our lone junior at six foot four, 195 pounds, number one, Jamal Johnson. He had a sharp shooting ability at times last year, a little bit streaky, uh, but he is probably going to be a key in terms of being one of the better shooters on the team after losing Javon McCormick, after losing uh, in, uh, Samir Dowdy and many other shooters over time. We probably will be looking to him as a go-to three-point shooter. Next up, a sophomore at six foot one, 195 pounds, number zero, Tyrell Turbo Jones. Now, my former, most recent former co-host, uh, Drew Hooper, this was his guy. He was so excited to watch him last season, but we didn't really see much. And for whatever reason that was, he only came in kind of spot time whenever there was a need to kind of give Alan Flanagan, Devin Cambridge, or uh, one of the point guards, Javon McCormick or Samir Doughty. I know Samir technically wasn't a point guard, but he kind of had to be sometimes uh, a, a breather to fill that role for some time. So this could be a year for Tyrell Turbo Jones to kind of make his mark as a sophomore and show that the talent that we all anticipated from him is there. The next two are going to be very familiar names that we got used to a lot last year. And there are some of our bigger guards, and that is six foot six, 215 pounds, number 22, the sophomore Alan Flanagan. We already mentioned his dad, Wes, who is on staff here as an assistant coach. Alan, while he is a bigger guard, is more in my mind of the shooting type of guard or the runner type of guard. Uh, and I think that he has an opportunity this year to really take a next step forward. We saw flashes of that in some moments that would have really made his dad proud. But Allen, I think, could be a breakout star this year. One of the guys that I think already is a break, breakout star because we saw how explosive this guy is in all facets of the game, but especially as a bigger guard driving to the hole. Six foot six, 215 pounds, number 35, the sophomore, Devin Cambridge. I need to say no more than how clutch he was as a three-point shooter, even as a bigger guard, but how explosive he was to the basket. And the guy knows how to jump out of the gym. Really excited to watch how Devin will continue to expand his game this year. The next one that I have, and this starts our freshman, we're going to have to talk a little bit about this one a little bit more in depth because there's some interesting rumors and news but also some hype around this one as well. So we'll save that for just a second. But that is number two, six foot one, 180 pounds, a freshman, Sharif Cooper. At one point, until a couple of days ago, well, weeks ago, he was the highest rated recruit and signee for Auburn basketball men's history, only to be one-upped by Jabari Smith before he even really played a game on campus. But Sharif Cooper was expected to be the starting point guard for Auburn this year and was going to probably be the guy leading the team going forward if he did not leave school early because you always got to have that field general. That's what Jared Harpett was. That's what Javon McCormick did most of the time. I think some people had some frustrations with him, but for most of the time, I think he did. But Sharif Cooper is uh, your expected point guard this year. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. 
The last of the guards that I will discuss in great detail, um, Justin Powell, six foot six, two hundred and five pounds, number twenty four, also a freshman. This one's a little bit interesting here because I think it depends on who you look at. Now, if you just look at his stats, bigger guard, probably more on the shooting guard side, the swingman type of player. Um, I typically would say that's what happens here, but there's a couple of people here that have put him as a potential as a backup point guard. And for some of the interesting things we'll talk about with Sharif Cooper in a second, I think there's potential that Justin Powell might see some time at point guard. Just my little outside opinion. Could be 100% wrong there. But there's a lot of people that are very excited about Justin Powell, and I'm starting to get way really more interested in what he potentially means for this Auburn men's basketball program. Moving on to the Fords, we've got four of them, comprised of a junior, a sophomore, and two freshmen. We'll start with six foot seven, two hundred and twenty pounds. Number four, Javon Franklin, the only junior. Uh, he's on the smallish side for Ford. Uh, six foot seven. You know, it's always interesting when you compare weights and sizes. Who is really smaller? I, I would say that Javon is, you know, just a step above like a Devin Cambridge. So they're kind of comparable. But I think he's going to be in this. Uh, offense and defense going to be playing more of the forward type of role here. So that's why you see him listed as a forward and someone that you know, a lot of people had a lot of speculation about. Would he get a lot of time last year? Didn't see a lot of time, but maybe that takes place this season. Our next forward, six foot eight, 230 pounds, number 23, Jalen Williams, the sophomore. This is the guy that everyone was talking about by the end of the season. Seemed like he had a spectacular dunk or put back every single game when he finally started seeing some significant playing time at the end of the year. And I really do think that this is going to be an outstanding year for Jalen Williams. Might even be the headliner as one of the bigger guys there. Uh, Jalen Williams, a lot of people excited about it, and I am really in that camp as well. Let's talk about some newcomers. Six foot six, 240 pounds. Number five, Chris Moore, a freshman. I don't know a lot about Chris Moore, I'll be honest with you. I hear a lot of talk about him online, um, a little bit on the smaller side in terms of height for a forward, but 240 pounds makes him a bigger body. Could be a lot like a Deshaun Murray, if you remember that name. And we watched, uh, what was it, War Tampa this year? You got to re look at Deshaun. Uh, Murray and how his maybe height was lessened by his size and his ability and tenacity around the basket. So maybe Chris Moore fits that bill. If I knew a little bit more about him, and uh, I would I would probably have a little bit more to say. But Chris Moore potentially could be seeing some pl- significant playing time as well. Lastly, in our forward column, six foot ten, the biggest of all the forwards, two hundred five pounds. It's a little bit on the light side though. Just his height is incredible. Number ten. JT, bring the hammer down Thor, a freshman. This guy is who everyone is excited about, probably the most in terms of the freshman at this position because uh, he's got the coolest name ever. Come on. How many Thor references uh, are we going to see? How many Mjolnir? I always mess that one up, even though I am a Marvel fan. Uh, You know, Thunderstruck. Uh, Just the memes, the puns write themselves when you have a name like JT Thor. And if you've watched any of his highlights from his high school years, you will be thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. Finally, let's talk about some centers. The big man, which you don't see a ton of in a Bruce Pearl offense. It's not uncommon for him to not really run a true center. Uh, Austin Wiley kind of dictated that the last couple of seasons because that's what he was. And we saw that Bruce is able to utilize 
a center, more more traditional center role, even in his offense and his defense. So those two guys that will be see listed there is a very familiar name. We'll start with the one that honestly is the most fun for me to say, and that is six foot ten, two hundred forty five pounds, number thirteen, Baba Tunde Akingbola, otherwise known as Stretch. I just I like saying Baba Tunde, Baba Tunde Akingbola. I messed it up that time, uh, but you can call him Stretch if you would like to go by his nickname. A sophomore, going to be your big center. So the question is, does Bruce Pearl go with his smaller lineup and bring Baba Tunde in as like the sixth man? Or does he immediately put him out there as a starter? We don't know yet. I'm going to have some speculation about that in just a second here. I'm really excited. This is probably my favorite one to watch because I love a big man, especially when you got a cool name like that. Baba Tunde Akinbola is my guy to watch, especially at center. The next one, six foot 11, 250 pounds, our biggest guy on the floor in size and height, Dylan Cardwell, a freshman. Now, will Dylan push Babatunde for some time? Maybe. I think, you know, you kind of give a little bit uh, to seniority there, and he's been in the system a little bit longer. Now, if he's an Austin Wiley type of talent, maybe Dylan does come in and steal a little bit of the thunder from JT or Babatunde in the big man role, uh, even though JT is listed at a 40. JT probably could, even if he was a little bigger in terms of weight, could be a center, and maybe if he stays a few years at Auburn, he actually does switch more into the center role, especially maybe at the end of things when Babatunde has moved off. So that is your breakdown of guards, forwards, and centers in the scholarship players or the players that you'll likely see. Now, I do want to mention, um, I'm not sure, I think a few of these may actually have some scholarships here, uh, but uh, we'll run through them real quick. Guard, Lord Behrman. Guard, Preston Cook. Guard, Carter Sabera. Forward, Ty Cressman. Guard Chandler Leopold, Leopard, and guard Chase Mastrop. Um, you know, none of these are really big names um, that we've had in the past in terms of everyone re- readily recognize them. I recognize most of them because they've been here a few years, like Preston Cook, Chandler Leopold, Mastrop, and Laura Behrman. But will they see this at time? I don't know. Um, with what we talk about here, literally in just a second, maybe one of them does have to step up. Who might that be? I don't know. Don't have any thoughts on that and the speculation is rampant. Hey, Auburn family, we're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are, and we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales? T-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash E2C Network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com slash support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. So unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know the news that... Uh, Sharif Cooper is potentially, and I mean potentially, 
potentially uh, not going to play some points this season. I, I really don't like kind of making statements. And when these rumors first coming out, I do some live streams on Twitter and YouTube. I, I even was, I'm really hesitant to kind of put credence behind all this, but the rumor out there is that um, he has not practiced with the team in some weeks and is potentially looking at going overseas because what has recently come out is that Auburn has decided to induce on themselves a postseason ban for this season, but would, is actually a two postseason, two year postseason ban dating back to last season. Unfortunately, the whole, you know, the whole situation from several seasons back uh, with Wesley Person, um, it just it will not go away. Uh, excuse me, Chuck Person, not Wesley Person, but Chuck Person will just not go away. There seems to be some things that may be coming down the pipe with that that still implicates Auburn, and I think what they're doing is going to try to appease the NCAA because. You know, whether you disagree or not, they seem to be coming after Bruce Pearl all the time for what he did in the past. And, you know, it's college athletics, guys. We all know that we kind of everyone pushes the boundaries, maybe cheats the rules a little bit. I'm not saying that didn't take place here or did take place here. Maybe it is completely squeaky clean. I'm not that naive, but hey, there's always that opportunity. Uh, But I would just say this. it's, It's frustrating to see that a team with a lot of potential, a lot of upside, um, while being young, a little bit inexperienced, um, could potentially have something, if they put it all together, taken away from them this season. Now, it is coronavirus year. Who knows if we're even going to see a postseason? Who knows if we're going to even play all these games? So maybe it's a brilliant move to go ahead and get this out of the way while you already had one season ruined. Maybe this one will be as well. Might as well go ahead and take your punishment now if, if the NCAA expects it. Now, how does that relate to Shreve Cooper? I think a lot of people are assuming that he has decided to do that to not ruin his chances at potentially going early in the NBA draft or to lose his development here. Um, so that he might go overseas and do something uh, there. And I don't know what the whole implication are. Can he come back after that? I don't know. Um, who knows at this point, but it's really a bummer because we were all excited for Sharif Cooper to be here. And if he is still going to be here, it's still going to be exciting, but it still kind of takes away a little bit of it. If uh, the postseason ban does continue, I'm not saying that there's a chance it could be removed, but I'll always say there's a chance. But right now, it does not look that good. Before we move on to some schedule discussion, I do want to talk a little bit about the starting five and how I see them. Now, this is my personal opinion. I did do a little research on what some other people are saying. I think it lines up pretty well for most people, but I try to just kind of take my six seasons of doing this podcast and trying to pinpoint what Bruce Pearl would pick to do here, I I feel pretty comfortable about this. And what I set it up as is a starting five, a next five. It doesn't mean that these the next five are the worst players. It just means I think knowing what Bruce Pearl likes to do, the type of players he likes to utilize in certain situations, I feel like this is potentially what you could see. Now in the next five, when we get to them, there will be actually a next, it's actually a next six because I do an or this because that would include all of the scholarship or players that you'll probably will see in get time this year. And some of them may even redshirt this year. Who knows? But let's start with a starting five. And that would be at point guard Tyrell Turbo Jones. Now that's a the caveat there. Should Sharif Cooper end up being able to play, that would push Tyrell back to the starting short uh, point guard spot in my next five. But right now, with the uncertainty in the air, 
I'm going to go ahead and pick Tyrell Turbo Jones as the point guard, and he will begin what is a sophomore heavy and completely sophomore starting five for me. Next up, Alan Flanagan, the sophomore, and Devin Cambridge. They're a one-two tandem. I think you can make a case that maybe you should have them swap in and out for each other, and I think that's a high possibility there. But with their seniority and what they were able to accomplish last season, I think Bruce Pearl puts them in the starting lineup together to at least start. At my four position, not a shock here, I think, to anyone, Jalen Williams, the sophomore, probably the most electrifying player out here uh, for my starting five. I don't think that one's a shock in any way that he will be out there, if not in the starting lineup, very quickly and as a six-man. And if Bruce is going to run a true center to start with, Babatunde Akingbola is the one I think he goes with simply because of seniority, unless Dylan Cardwell has shown that he can do something. So I've already mentioned a bunch of them, but here would be the next five in my view. I've already mentioned that I've got an inkling that Justin Powell might see some time at point guard. Could be 100% wrong at that. I just have this feeling that Bruce might like a change of pace as a bigger point guard, and he's got some experience at that. So Justin Powell might see some time this year right there, especially with Sharif Cooper potentially not being here. Next up in the uh, shooting guard and maybe swing man positions, Jamal Johnson, first of all, I mentioned him as a three-point shooter. There's th- there's a chance for Jamal, especially if we do a swap in and out in a starting five format with Allen and, and Allen Flanagan and Devin Cambridge. So D- Jamal could actually be in the starting five, but right now I'm going to put in my next five. This will be followed by a combo of or this or that. Javon Franklin, the fr- the junior, or Chris Moore, the freshman. Don't know a ton about Chris Moore. I know there's a lot of hype about him. Javon, though, I think deserves a chance to be that next man up in that role, and he can potentially do that, so I'm going to put him there now. JT Thor, as much as I want to build on the hype, I, I don't know that we'll see him right away in a starting lineup, especially with Jalen Williams kind of playing in his same role there, unless Bruce decides to go with a bigger lineup. In that case, put me some Thor in all day. Finally, Dylan Cardwell. I think this is not a shock here. If you're going to run another true center as your next five, Dylan Cardwell's got to be put in the role. So that is all 11 of the people I think we'll see some time. You got to figure that, hey, you may have to add in Shree Cooper if he does play in that. And that, like I said, that shifts Terrell uh, Jones down a little bit into the next five position. And then what I would probably say is Justin Powell moves into that spot Maybe with an it's a Justin Powell or Javon Franklin or Chris Moore. Someone's probably going to get redshirted here. Might be Justin Powell. Uh, it might be Chris Moore. Could be a lot of people, but I don't think you'll see too many. Maybe just one or two players this season. There's also potential that some of the guys that we kind of brushed over, the non-scholarship or maybe uh, low-playing-time scholarship players, and I hate to say that because I was one of them, but it's the reality, might have to step up and fill some time at guard. Who is that? Have no clue. I did not see a lot of playing time for these guys last year, but don't be surprised if you see some of these uh, potential guards, especially heavy in this area, see some time uh, to make up for the loss of Sharif Cooper if that happens. To round out our discussion, let's talk about the schedule a little bit, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on all these games because we're going to be talking a lot about them in uh, the season. So I'll start off here with the very beginning, and let me let me just say this before I even get started. There's a little bit of discrepancy in terms of at least one game on the official Auburn website and other websites as well. Don't know why that is, but we're going to treat it like it's actually going to happen. That's a Memphis game we'll get to in a second. But starting off, Thursday, the 26th, on Thanksgiving Saint, at St. Joseph's, or at, technically it's in Fort Myers as part of the Fort Myers tip-off, um, Auburn takes on 
uh, St. Joe's at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then they will also play the next day, number one, Gonzaga at 11 a.m. Quick turnaround right there. This will be one of those episodes, the very first one, where we do it as a combo. And I, I wish I didn't have to do it because I want to talk about a Gonzaga game uh, as its own uh, thing, but it's just, it's not even 24 hours. So they will be combined. Uh, but interesting that we get to take on the number one team in the nation and potentially the number two team in the nation if they remain undefeated uh, and everything holds true to when we get the, to that point. Uh, but the Fort Myers tip-off is how we'll start the season off. Tough way to do it. Potentially uh, getting a win against St. Joe's, but that Gonzaga game, that's going to be tough. Then we will move on to uh, visit down in Orlando, Florida, UCF on Monday, November 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern time, going to the Golden Knights. Really would love to go to this one. Don't know if it's going to happen. Well, actually, I know it's not going to happen with my schedule this fall. Moving on, we'll come home finally to take on South Alabama. Bruce is great about inviting not only regional teams, but Alabama teams. And we always speculate, is Auburn ever going to put together a Alabama-only tournament. And I think that would be an outstanding thing to do if you can get Auburn, Alabama, South Alabama, Jacksonville State, North Alabama, UAB, Troy. I mean, I just think you could make Alabama, albeit not the greatest tournament in the world, but if that could be pulled off every couple of years, be great. So I'm glad to see that Bruce Pearl continues sharing the love in the state of Alabama, especially if it means we get a win. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern time, very late game for the Auburn Tigers. Here's where the discrepancy in the two different websites happens. There's a game listed everywhere else at Memphis. And I know this was talked about and scheduled early in the year, but COVID-19 happened. That's pretty much the reason for everything. Uh, So right now, we're just going to assume that that's actually happened. Going to Memphis, that's going to be a tough, tough one. Thankfully... James Wiseman is not there anymore, (laughs) or else this would be a very, very bad game. That could be a potential upset for Auburn. It'll be outside of Gonzaga, I think, their first big test of the season. Coming back to home again for for only their second game at home this season, Texas Southern should be a win uh, on Tuesday, December 15th. Four days later on December 19th, another Alabama game versus Troy at 2 p.m., Uh, And that's all of the scheduled timed games that we have for the rest of the season at this moment. Uh, Should be a win as well, I would think. Uh, Finally, we round out non-conference in the compact part of it. We have one more non-conference game coming up in the middle of conference play. I know that's weird, but it really is. I think it should end. It should should be the end of conference play or non-conference play. But I'm not the scheduler. I can't uh, make those type of decisions. But I will continue to gripe about it. But it's Appalachian State to finish off the non-conference season at home. I would suspect, hopefully, another win. We'll keep moving through conference play now, and it starts off in, uh, I wouldn't call it the toughest start. Auburn's had some uh, some more rough beginnings to conference play in past seasons. Uh, but, you know, I haven't done a ton of research about the rest of the SEC. We obviously expect Kentucky to be good. We obviously think that, you know, other teams are on the rise. Maybe, a, uh, well, maybe a Texas A&M. LSU, who knows if they're going to be good or not or if they're not going to get in trouble or things like that. Alabama always says that they're going to be good. Maybe they are. I don't know. They've got some pretty good recruits this season. Uh, but we'll start off with Arkansas at home. Thankfully, we get to start off uh, conference play at home. Uh, followed by Texas A&M on January 2nd, heading out to Texas A&M to play that one. A second uh, away game in a row at Ole Miss on January 6th. January 9th, we go to, or we no, actually host Alabama. 
followed by January 13th at Georgia. So we get our two biggest rivals back-to-back, albeit at different home-and-away structures. Then the big one, folks, Kentucky at home. Currently, Kentucky is number 10. They're basically always ranked, so just anticipate it. We will find out, obviously, by this point, whether the Kentucky team is actually legit or not and deserves that ranking. Uh, My suspicion is they will probably be still close to it, maybe taking a few losses, but you can bet that this is going to be the first big, big game of the season for Auburn uh, with hopefully a team that's solidified at this point, even maybe without a Sharif Cooper, and has made a run where they can probably knock off a Kentucky team at home. Be a tough task, but it's doable. Next up, we'll go on January 20th to Arkansas, followed by a trip to Columbia, South Carolina, take on the Gamecocks on January 23rd. Then January 26th, we'll host Missouri in Auburn Arena, and that's the first half of conference play, first nine games, I believe. Here's the weird, we're going to put this non-conference game in the middle of conference play. It's the most annoying thing in the world to me, but I do love the Big 12 SEC Challenge. However, we drew the worst possible matchup in the <laughs> Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, Baylor currently ranked number two. I have two brothers who uh, either are currently graduating or have graduated and one that's still at school there, and uh, they love to talk some trash. was talking some trash recently about them, and right now they do have the advantage. I have to admit that in terms of ranking and perception, but it'll be an interesting game. Problem is... It's in Waco, Texas. Uh, Going to be a tough one for Auburn to pull off a win there way out in Texas. As we round out conference play, we will welcome Georgia in our second game against them to Auburn Arena on February 2nd, followed by Ole Miss also in Auburn Arena on February 6th. We'll begin a road slate going up to Nashville, Tennessee to take on the Commodores on February 9th in the worst. And I do mean that. You listen to me right now, Clint Richardson. I know you're listening. The worst basketball stadium in all of basketball stadiums, arenas, venues, hangars for Alabama. The worst basketball surface place ever. I will stand by that forever. Then the tough one, we head up to Lexington, Kentucky on February 13th to take on the currently ranked number 10 Wildcats. As much as I want to believe Auburn has the potential to beat Kentucky, especially these days, I don't know that it's going to happen in Rupp Arena this year. Uh, February 16th, Mississippi State Bulldogs at Auburn Arena, followed by a trip down to Baton Rouge to take on the LSU Tigers on February 20th. Another tough one against a usually perennial power in the SEC, Florida, although it's at home, so potential for an upset as well. Then probably what has become the biggest rival for us recently, especially with the Bruce Pearl connection, we get number 12, Tennessee, at home. So if I had to mark the big games of the season, obviously your Auburn-Alabama matchup at home is going to be a big one. That Kentucky matchup at home, Tennessee, and Florida. So if Auburn actually wants to make some noise this year in the SEC, they have the opportunity to because a lot of their tougher games are they're at least going to get one crack of them at home. So they, if they have the opportunity, they just got to seize it. In our final game, ironically, we have the, I know a few of you are going to hate I say this, but basically the Iron Bowl of basketball uh, with finishing out in Tuscaloosa on March 2nd. So that's ironic. I don't think I've seen that in quite some time that our last game of the season is against Alabama in basketball. But hey, it's pretty fitting. So as we end our episode tonight, I'm going to give you a little bit of a prediction here. And let me just go ahead and forewarn you. 
I have a tendency to be a little bit of an eternal optimist. However, I tried to force myself, and you may say when you hear this, Kyle, you didn't force yourself at all. You still were an optimist. I forced myself to really think hard about what do I know about a Bruce Pearl team? What do I know about this lineup? What do I know about some of the other teams and some of the trends and things that tend to happen to Auburn in an Auburn men's basketball season? And so I try to take all that into account, and this, I think, is the best possible, well, the best possible thing is a national championship, but we don't think that's going to happen this year, because who knows if we'll even play it at all. Uh, and here's the, actually, I even should retract that statement, Auburn will not be playing in postseason uh, this year. So they really have no other reason uh, than to just fight hard for every single game here to fi- try to get that, to, if you if it counts for them or not, that uh regular season SEC title because they will not be playing in a tournament. They will not be playing in a uh, postseason tournament for the NCAA if it happens at all. Uh, so play your hearts out, boys. But here is what I think the final record could be at the end of everything. So for non-conference, I think Auburn's going to go 9-2. and two. I think the obvious two losses there are to Gonzaga and Baylor on the road. Neither of them are at home. One's a neutral site. I just don't see it happening with what we know so far about this team, especially if Sharif Cooper, Sharif Cooper is not in the fold. For conference play, I'm going to say we go 12-6. and six. And I think that's a little ambitious, but here's what I'm looking at. I think Auburn, and I'm talking as a whole in the season as well, I think Auburn will beat everyone they should. And I mean everyone except the ranked teams. Now, I think they're going to beat a couple of them. Definitely not. Baylor and Gonzaga, not leaning that way. But I do think Auburn can knock off Kentucky once. I do think Auburn can knock off a Tennessee once. Here's what I do expect to happen. Auburn will have a significant game skid at some point, especially in conference play, and that's going to be about three to four games. I'm looking honestly, honestly, if I could see it happening somewhere, there's potential for it to happen around that first Kentucky game, even though I think we could get the upset. But maybe we come off a low after nearly getting the upset, but maybe ultimately losing to Kentucky, and then going to Arkansas, and then going to South Carolina. That could be the spot that gets really, really rough, and then maybe even bounce back against Missouri, and then you take a loss at Baylor. But I'm going to say conference play, we go 12-6, and which brings our overall record to 21-8, and if I did my math right. Please check me on that, and I'm probably wrong. But I think Auburn can have less than double-digit losses this year, and I think they need to really make that their focus if they're not going to have any postseason play and uh, potentially be playing without Sharif Cooper. So that's my prediction, and that's my analysis of the season. I want to hear from you now. What did you think about my impressions of the coaching staff, the roster, the schedule, predictions I made, whether it be about records or the starting lineup or the next-up type of lineup? Any of that is fair game. Let me know on the website or wherever on social media what you thought about it and what your impressions and your predictions for this season are. I'm looking forward to a brand new season of Auburn's men's basketball with you and being with here with you to break that down. And hopefully we'll be talking about something special, even in a COVID-19 era, even in a season that likely will not have any postseason. But hey, Auburn basketball is better than no Auburn basketball. Until we talk to you again, my friends. Or Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to e2cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. 
So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?